Hey, as we get started this morning, let's just pray. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, you are incredible. Amen. You guys, that kind of caught you off guard, didn't it? <laughs> He's amazing, isn't he? Well, hey, um, as Pastor Dwight, <laughs> Phil was like, that was a real prayer? Yep, it sure was. Um, as we get started this morning, Pastor Dwight already alluded to it, but I want to take a moment because I really believe that it is important to look back to what God did in and through our church in 2021. Because we need to be able to celebrate those things. We need to be able to highlight those things. It's very easy in the climate that we are in in America to not necessarily point out the positives, Amen. not necessarily point out the good things. But there was a lot when Pastor Dwight sat and I sat down to reflect on the year. There was a lot that God did in and through our church. The first thing that I want to mention is that in the month of January in 2021, we gathered together for prophetic ministry. That seems like it was four years ago, but it was only one year ago. And so there were so many of our body that were blessed by that prophetic ministry that got future for their lives. They got to see what God had envisioned for their life. And it wasn't just our church members as a whole, but we had young people receiving pro prophetic ministry. I have recorded on my phone the prophetic word for Gideon that we will pull out occasionally and we will re-listen to and we'll talk about. That was a highlight for the year. Amen. It was a great year, way to start out the year. The second thing, speaking of our youth, our youth ministry has continued to steadily grow. When we relaunched our youth ministry in 2020, we literally sat down at a drawing board with our youth leaders and we were able to count 15 kids. We're at 40 to 45 now in the youth ministry on a, on a weekly attendance. That is good news. That is good news. And many of those students are students that are in our church. And those students have now started to reach out to their friends and their friends are starting to come. And so it is an amazing thing. And that's not just the thing. We have seen our youth leadership team expand into roles this year that I probably in my tenure in being in youth ministry have never seen them do. Yeah. And so if you're a youth leader, can you stand really quick? I know they're serving in other places. Can we put our hands together for our youth leaders in the room? And outside of the room, <laughs> they're serving in other places. But, um, you know, I've seen them step into different roles this year. Uh, two of our young youth leaders, Leah and Maddie, both, Ian has been training on the worship team. They're leading worship on Wednesday nights, and you see them here on Sunday mornings leading worship or being a part of the worship team here. We have young students that are learning how to sing backup on the worship team on Wednesday nights. Um, here's another one, and this is a praise report for myself. You may not think it is, but it is. Uh, I have not preached in the youth ministry until the since the first week of October. Yes. That is some good news. Yes. Maybe not for you, but for me. Okay, and it's not because I don't want to, it's because we have skilled, gifted, anointed, capable youth leaders that have things on the inside of them that they are more than willing to share to touch the students. And so we have a rotation of youth leaders that are rotating weekly to preach. I will not preach in the month of January. Leah is preaching this Wednesday and Ian is preaching the second week. We have small groups where our, young, our youth leaders are coming together and creating the small group conversations, discussions, and lessons. Awesome. It's incredible. Yes. 
okay? We have Jason and Sarah overtaking the middle school and have been doing that for two years and they have been doing an incredible job with our middle school ministry. All that has done is enhance the youth ministry because they filled a necessary gap. And guess what? They need other people to help them with the necessary gap. And so these are incredible things that we're seeing in the youth ministry. Seeing all of these people step up. We multiplied our youth small groups. Uh, we had one, I think it was the one that Jason had, that had like 25 kids a week. Look, ain't nobody's house too big enough for that. So we had to multiply it, and David and Isabella have taken half of that group, and now they're hosting it in their house. We had a youth leader, or we had a youth small group Christmas party that all of the youth leaders ran. I didn't even run it. They did the whole thing. It's amazing when you see not only people step up, but empowered and willing and able to do those things. That's incredible. Our mission work throughout the world has continued to bear massive amounts of fruit, if you haven't already heard that before. (laughs) We're We're taking over Africa, y'all. We are. I mean, it's nation by nation. Uganda, right, has finally opened up their schools. There's countless, hundreds of schools throughout Africa. uh, Mexico has experienced the surge in their schools as well. Our Rock D prayer ministry team that meets in the upper room has ministered to countless people over 2021. I cannot tell you how many Monday mornings no staff member was anywhere to be seen because they were up in that room ministering to people in the church and outside of the church. There are people outside of this church that are hungry for real, authentic ministry, and they don't know where to go, and they find through some sort of trail that leads them to redeemers that this is a place that you can get that. And they're coming to receive that ministry. That's an amazing thing. Our worship team has experienced incredible progress this year, and here's the progress that I see in our worship team. It is unity no matter which puzzle is moved around. My God, this year has been the year of just shifting people around. We're just, it's like a draft every week. Well, I'm going to trade you. You're not going to be here. That's fine. I'll step in, do this. They're all over the place, but still there's cohesion. There's unity. Everyone is on the same page. And not only that, the, the way in which they are putting all of the songs together. Some, I can't tell you how many times Pastor Dwight and I have looked at the set list leading into the week and we're like, we'll see how this goes. And it is amazing. So many of these. It's incredible how they are woven together. And hey, here's another one. We had two amazing outreaches at the, in the final quarter of last year. Our Trunk or Tree outreach and our Christmas outreach. And can we once again give praise for Dana and Leslie and Beth for spearheading these things, for recruiting volunteers, for doing all of the logistic work, the background work, the things that Dana was here creating a fence on a random day throughout the week for the Christmas outreach. These were amazing outreaches. And here's why they were amazing outreaches. Because ain't nobody else in this neighborhood putting a smile on our neighbors' faces. It shows, one of the things that I love about it is that it, it is, we are heading in a direction as Redeemer's Church that people are no longer going to be able to say they didn't know this building was a church. We're not, we're heading in that direction. That will not be a reality. The community is experiencing an increased awareness of our presence here. And so that's what the Trunk or Treat has accomplished. We had, it was packed in this building. 
Okay? And for a good reason. Christmas outreach was incredible. How about this? How about the fact that you were now put in a position to share the gospel with people? It wasn't Pastor Dwight or me or just a handful of people talking to a crowd. It was you one-on-one having Jesus Nicodemus conversations. That is an amazing thing. Here's one that we may not think about that is awesome, but it is a praise report. We did not have one service canceled in 2021 because of a COVID outbreak. Not one. We can't necessarily say that about 2020, but we can for 2021. (laughs) That was actually supposed to be a joke if you didn't think it was funny. I thought it was funny. But um, I'm not saying COVID's a joke, but you know. It was an incredible year. And I don't know if you noticed, I mean, being in the church environment, I saw a lot of churches shut down in the month of December because of it. We did not have one service shut down in the entire year, okay? Here's the last one. Our giving and generosity increased incredibly last year, as Pastor Dwight already uh, mentioned, but I want to kind of highlight a couple things to that. We have given away thousands of dollars over over last year above and beyond what our monthly mission support is. We gave over $4,000 to our Afghanistan aid to rescue Christians under persecution, Uh, thousands of dollars included in that to the Cuban aid to bring food into Cuba. And it was amazing because I don't, I can't remember his name. What was his, huh? Willie Santiago was here and Pastor Dwight prophesied, you're not going to just have one trailer, you're going to have multiple. And what, days later, he said, I had to get another one. And so we were able to send all of that in. Uh, We we gave $1,000 to Ed Powers for his work in YWAM. We added Pastor Jack Hempfling to our YWAM missions. Uh, monthly support. In the month of Chris, or in Christmas, in the month of December alone, we gave over $5,000 away. $5,000 in purchasing of, Chris, of Christmas gifts for the outreach. And in addition to that, once again, if you weren't here last year, last week, you didn't hear it. We gave every single staff member at Scottwood Elementary a $25 Amazon gift card for Christmas just because. Yeah. Okay, listen, that is part of being in the kingdom, is being a blessing for no reason. Being a blessing to unbelievers for no reason. Because it's God's kindness that leads people towards repentance. Kindness is not earned. Kindness is just given. It's just extended. There's nothing that an individual needs to receive kindness. It has everything to do with what God has done on the inside of you that has caused you and spurred you on to want to be generous without any condition attached. And so, uh, we, we gave over $5,000 away in the month of December. And as Pastor Dwight said, this is amazing. Looking back on the church finances in the history, 56 years, in the 56th year history of Redeemer's Church, as far back as we can look back on the finances, 2021 was the greatest giving year on record. Yeah. That is amazing! In a time when people are uncertain about the future and start to pinch their pocketbooks, Redeemers is not. That is amazing. And can I tell you something that even makes those financial things even more amazing? Is God prophesied it in 2018, and it has come to pass. Let me read you verbatim the prophetic words spoken over our church. Can I tell you something? 
we should be hearing all of these things and be thinking that we're actually headed in the right direction. Right. We're not on a decline. We're actually cresting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, God does not sovereignly move on the hearts of people to do all, of that thing, all those things in one year to retire after 2022. We're actually heading in the right direction. You should be encouraged by that reality. And here's the prophetic word that was spoken. This church will become not just a local church, but an apostolic center, an apostolic community, which means we will export more than we import. This house will be known as a generous house. In 2020, we gave, what, 20 plus thousand dollars to Africa in August? And all over. And all over. This house will be a generous house because the apostolic gives more than it takes. God is going to increase the storehouse here. Listen, before there was a famine, God gave Joseph the wisdom to become a storehouse in the famine. And I think that, Pastor Dwight, in the, in the financial realm, we're going to see a famine in the, in the days to come. And I think it's perfect timing for 2021 to be the biggest giving year on record because maybe God wants redeemers to be one of the storehouses for the famine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look, open up your eyes beyond what you can see. God is doing amazing things. This will become a storehouse church with lots of resources for others. The more we give, the more God will send. We will not be able to outgive God. The church budget will increase. Past budgets will pale in comparison to what we are going to do in the years ahead. Can we thank God for what he's doing in and through our church? And listen to me. We could close right there right? But listen to me. I think that if Jesus and the hosts of heaven were standing before you, they would be giving you a round of applause because he needs partnership. He needs co-laborers. He needs people that are willing to be boots on the ground, hands to the plow, that are willing to get the work done. And so I want you to give yourself a round of applause for allowing yourselves to be a willing vessel that God can use to accomplish all these things. Whether you're serving, or you're financing it, or you're doing both, or you're in agreement with it, I believe that we need to give ourselves a round of applause for what God is doing. And listen, all of the religious spirit inside of you that's like, well, you know, it's not me, it's him. He needs you. You're a part of it. He's not going to do it without you. Well, we don't give ourselves a round of applause because it's all about Jesus. Jesus, if he was here in the message translation, he'd be like, shut up. You need to be proud of yourself. (laughs) Matthew chapter 29. (laughs) You need to be proud of yourself for what you are accomplishing in being vessels that God can steward. All right? But I didn't come this morning to talk about what we have done. Because it's the first week of January, the first Sunday of January, and so we're going to dedicate the rest of the time to having vision for what lies ahead. I want to talk to you on the topic of vision. I want to talk to you about you having vision, about me having vision, and about redeemers having vision, and the importance of vision. We need to have vision. Scripture clearly lays out that we need to have vision. Vision, by definition, is this. It's the faculty or state of being able to see. Let me say say something to the 
older folks in the room, which now includes Pastor Dwight. <laughs> you don't grow out of vision, and you don't retire from vision. As long as you are alive, you need to have it. Because I heard Miles Monroe say that we need to be dying empty, which means that we don't finish before we finish. He said the wealthiest place in the entire world are graveyards because there was books that were never written. There were songs that were never sung. There were business ventures that never materialized. There, were, there was scientific measures that never came into fruition. You name it, it's in the cemetery because there were people that did not die empty. As long as you're alive, you need to have vision for your life. It's the ability to see that's pretty self-explanatory. Number two, the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. It goes on to say a mental image of what the future could or will be alike. I, I love ex expounding on this point. This specific definition of vision is, I've heard it say this way, vision is not what you see with your eyes open, it's what you see with your eyes closed. The whole time that I was worshiping, I had my eyes closed, and I was seeing different things. It's seeing, it's what you see with your eyes closed. The third is an experience of seeing someone or something in a dream or a trance, or as a supernatural manifestation. We see this in Acts chapter 10 with Peter. He has this heavenly vision. That's the third definition. But for this morning, I, I want to hone in specifically on the second definition, which is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom, a mental image of what the future could or will be like. Listen to me. I believe that this form of vision, Nate, is the most vital form of vision that anyone can have. The ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. Listen, we may never have an open vision like Peter. That would be great. That would be amazing. Maybe some of you have had open visions. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you never will experience an open vision like Peter. Let's go for it. Let's pursue it. There are people that are born blind. They may never have the ability to physically see but you cannot live without experiencing vision beyond what you see. You can live your life without experiencing an open vision. There are people that live their lives without having the physical ability to see, but nobody, nobody will live the life that God intended for you to live without vision. Listen to what has been said on this topic. The only worse thing than being blind is having sight but no vision. Yeah. And you want to know who said that? Yeah. Helen Keller. Wow. Helen Keller lived her life blind, but what she was saying in that moment is that there is a greater handicap for all humanity. Yeah. 
It's not being able to physically see, but it is living life and having no vision for your life. That's right. She said the only worse thing than being blind is having sight but no vision. Listen, you will not live the life that God created you to live without a vision for your future. Matter of fact, let me take it a step further. God has a vision for every human being that is alive today. He has a vision for every human being. God has allowed every human being. Can you, do you ever think about all of the statistics and probabilities behind the fact that you were the one that entered into the womb of your mom? There's no accident. I mean, I don't want to get biological and get up a whiteboard and talk about the way in which a woman becomes pregnant, but the probability of us all existing had to be sovereignly orchestrated for you to be here. So that means God has vision for your life. Look at all of the ways and multitudes of ways in which people Pregnancy gets terminated. Babies are never, allowed, never able to come into the world, and yet you're still here. That means that there's a God that has a plan and purpose and vision for your life, and you are allowed to be here because he had a vision. Amen. Jeremiah 1.5, before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us and set us apart. Jeremiah 29.1, he has plans to give us a hope and a vision. Listen. Future is vision in God's parameters. God has a vision for you even if you don't have one for yourself. If I could clarify what vision is. Vision, this is the Caleb Schaefer definition. Take it or leave it. The other one was legitimate. <laughs> vision is the ability to see beyond the limitations of our eyesight. It is the ability to imagine or visualize, and this is the most important part, what could be, should be, must be, or will be. There are moments where your vision is just a could be. There's moments where your vision is a should be. There's moments in life that demand your vision is a must be. And then there is the materialization of a vision, which is what will be. Vision is the ability to imagine or vision, visualize what could be, should be, must be, or will be. But listen to me this morning because what I'm about to say is so important about this topic of vision. Your vision requires an internal conviction to see it realized. It demands a passion and a drive to see it come to pass. This is where vision is different than a daydream or dreaming. Some people daydream to escape reality, but people with vision act on their dream to bring their vision into reality. Some people are daydreaming at their job, but all that's, that's all it is. It's just a dream. But people with vision act on their dream. Your vision without action is just wishful thinking. The probability of it manifesting 
is pretty much buying a lottery ticket. Vision has to have action. It's been said this, vision without action is merely just a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. But vision with action will change the world. Can I ask you a question? Which one of those is you? Are you just passing the time with action? You're doing stuff, but you're doing things, but you really don't have a good why. It's just action without vision is just passing the time. Vision with action will change the world. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life where I'm just dreaming or passing the time. Did we just come up on a sobering moment? I want to actually live a life that is gripped by vision, that is driven by vision. See, listen, nothing of any significance happens without vision. Your vision will not happen by accident. It has to be accompanied with a conviction and a plan to see it materialize. Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motors, said this, vision without execution is just hallucination. Let me give you a practic practical example of what vision is and what vision requires. Are you still with me this morning? Because it got super quiet. Is it okay? Let me give you an example, a practical example of vision, of what it is and what it requires. In 2010, don't put those pictures up yet. 2010, uh, my wife got pregnant with Gideon, and um, she immediately started to nest. We were in an apartment in Groveport, and she comes to me very quickly after being pregnant. She's like, we need a house. If you're a woman and you're pregnant and you've, you've experienced that, where you're like, I need a dedicated space for this child. I don't want to hear the neighbors underneath me or the neighbors above me. I don't want to have to walk up steps. I want a garage. I want a nursery. I want a room. And so she came to me in 2010 and said, we need to get into a house. And I was totally against it. But um, a happy wife is a happy life. And so, so we started to pray. We started to, <laughs> I had vision. I had a vision. Hey, my vision was that if we did not get a house, I would have no future. And so, so I start, we started to pray and we started to seek the Lord. And uh, I knew that at that time, Allison was a teacher. And I knew that there would only be a matter of time before she would want to stay home with our son. She would want to be at home. She would want to raise him in our household. And so um, I knew that in the future, because this is vision, guys, in the future, I need to plan for that to be materialized, which means that we're not buying a house on both of our incomes. Right. We're buying a house on my income. We are, we are practicing personal limitations so that that vision can be materialized. Come on. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because so many of us, we have visions that can never be attained because we don't say no in, to anything now. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I'm already ahead of myself, but I'll get there in a moment. But so we had to develop limitations. And so we're crunching the budget. What can we afford? And then we don't just go off of what we can afford. We go to God and ask God to give us a number. And so God gives us $110,000. In 2021, 
you ain't getting, you're not getting a shed for 110. <laughs> you're not, it'd be like, well, this is going to be Gideon's bedroom right here. We can just have a little. And so even back then, that was crazy. I mean, most houses that we could, that were close to what we had, were 140,000, right? So we visited so many different houses, looked at so many different houses, and then we came into this house. And I want you to see this picture. This is what we saw. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful pink carpet. This is, can I, can I show you something that I think is totally funny? This was a bank-owned house, and I think this is hilarious. Go back to that picture. Like, they vacuumed to have vacuum marks on that disgusting carpet. As if that's going to sell it, that corner with the marks on it. That wallpaper is incredible, right? OK, so, so that's the living room. Go ahead and hit the next one. This is what I call the pink explosion. You've got pink 4x4 four four tiles, and then I don't even know what you call that paint job, but say what? <laughs> Johnny said class. Sponging. Sponging pink. And not only that, the tile on the floor was pink. And then this is all, and if you didn't think that was anything amazing, check the kitchen out. Doesn't that look clean? Those four by four, <laughs> that's what it looks like today. But it's been a long couple weeks. Four by four tiles with grease all over them. Okay, that's a downdraft right there for the stove. It was a, a gas stove. Uh, and then let's talk about the nail salon tile floor. Okay, it was pink countertops and, and a black backsplash. I mean, who was designing this, guys? But do you know what? When I walked into that house, that's not what I saw. I saw what could be. So when, let's go back to the living room picture. That's what I, that's what, what I saw with my eyes, but that's not what I saw with my eyes closed. Let's, let's show you what I saw with my eyes closed. Go to that living room picture. That's what I saw. Let's go back to the, the bathroom picture, the pink explosion. I didn't see that when I saw that bathroom. Let's, let's show you what I saw with that bathroom. That's what I saw. Let's go to show the other picture. I saw that. Let's go to the kitchen. We got to see that kitchen one more time. That's what I saw when I saw the kitchen. He's like, it still looks like that. Ain't nobody can afford cabinets, let's be honest. <laughs> it's either one or the other. Anybody who bought a new house, you got to make decisions. But that's what I saw. That's what vision is. And let me tell you something about vision. That was a whole lot of work, too. Yeah, right. It's one thing to imagine. It's another thing to bring the imagination into reality. It does not happen overnight. And guess what? I hate to break it to you in a fast food culture, but your vision will take time. It will take time. Everybody thinks, listen, we've got vision for the church for this year, but it may extend beyond this year because there's too much about having visions for years. Right. Things take 
time. God prophesied to Abraham that your descendants will number the sky, and he had one son, two sons, and died. It takes time. You have to work your vision out. It is the Larry Law. Thank God for the wisdom of Larry Grindstaff. Anything that is a great idea comes down to a whole lot of work. And so many of us, we have these imaginations, these visions of, of what we dream life to be of, but they simply become wishful thinking because we're not willing to get our knees in the dirt and make it happen. There's two points I want to talk about vision really quickly, and then we're going to talk about vision for our church. Listen, vision is the ability to see beyond the limitations of our eyesight. It is the ability to imagine or vision what, visualize what could be, should be, must be, or will be. I got some question, questions for you this morning. Do you have a vision for your life that drives you beyond what you just see? What about your marriage? What about your finances? See, that's a great meeting to go to to get some vision for your finances. What about your parenting, your career, your relationship with Jesus, your legacy? Do you have vision for it? This is not a point of condemnation. It's just a point to get you to think. Have you just been doing action without vision? You're just circling the globe. I heard this quote that I thought was amazing. Some people do the same thing for 75 years and think it's a life. That, that speaks to having no vision. It speaks to just going through the motions. And the reason why I want to have this conversation this morning or this talk this morning is because it's so easy to get caught up in the minutia of the day by day by day that weeks go by and you've zoned out and you've tapped out and you've checked out and you're just going through the motions. It is so important for us to have moments like this where we just reflect and we think forward and we say, do we happen to have any vision for our lives right now? Let me, t- let me encourage you with this. It's not even in the notes, but I heard this from my wife. She, she referenced a pastor's name is Chad Veach. He said, if you want your vision, if you want your motivation to be sustained, to see your vision come, you have to stay inspired. You have to stay inspired. Inspiration is fuel for the motivation to keep grinding. If you have no inspiration, you will not see your vision come to pass. When, when Allison and I, this is a testimony, after she, had, she uh, got pregnant with Gideon, and some of you have heard this, she comes to me very quickly after that, and she says, I want to stay home with the baby. Now, we had already envisioned being able to afford uh, a house payment on my salary, but all the credit cards that we swiped to rack up to get rid of that ugly pink carpet, (laughs) we didn't have plans for that. And so now, from our car payments to our student loans to this or that, not including the principal balance on our house, we were $60,000 in debt. And Allison comes to me. This is a perfect time, right? Allison comes to me and she goes, I want to stay home. And I'm like, that's great, because you make more money than I do. 
So we're literally going to have our salary cut in half. And so we have a sobering moment. And this is why men don't, hey, guess what, men? Let me just come at you real quick. You don't, if you're in charge of the finances, you don't even like to talk to your wife about them, right. let alone another man. Because you got credit cards you're swiping and your wife is, is holding on to the security and safety that you got it all under control. But you're swiping behind your back. She doesn't even know what the finances look like because she trusts you. Oh, that was my story, guys. And we had a really uncomfortable conversation at Smoky Bones that we put on a credit card. <laughs> because we had no money. And those ribs that were $20 were $30 because it took a year to pay off the credit card. But the point is, is that we had an uncomfortable conversation and I was running from the conversation because I knew it was a come to Jesus and I knew I had spending habits and I had no discipline because I didn't have vision for that. And so we had the conversation and I started to read Dave Ramsey and it took three years, but we got entirely out of debt. And you know what's amazing about that? Outside of our house. But what's amazing about that is the reality that when her $40,000 got, got, $40, a year got cut, we never skipped or missed a step. That's right. Boom. That's right. Because my salary, it's like we didn't miss a thing. Because all of that was dedicated to paying off debt in the, in the first place. Are you listening to what I'm saying? See, you need to have these conversations. You need to have vision. I want to encourage you this morning that if you don't have a vision for your life, to start dreaming again. Right. Come on. God, start dreaming again. Listen, it's not hard to have vision. It's hard to see vision come to pass. But it's not hard to have vision. What do you want your future to look like? Right. At the base level, that's what vision is. And then what you do is you begin to put the pieces to the puzzle together, to the steps, the action steps to get there. And if you don't have the fortitude and strength within yourself to see your vision materialize, get someone who will challenge you and get in your business because they care about you and they want to see you walk into your vision. How about this one for the married people in the room? Have you lost the vision for your marriage? Because I can tell you the vision before you got married is different than the vision after. And a lot of people, they are on their vision game before they get married. I can't. Every, every time I saw Allison, I was fresh shaved. Clothes were ironed. <laughs> then we got married, and it's sweatpant life. <laughs> and a nine, five o'clock shadow. And I gained 30 pounds because her cooking is so good. That's, the point is, you get married. But you see, one of the th hardest things I think for people, I'm sorry, I'm going over, but one of the hardest things for people is when you actually see your visions realized to start visioning again. Because people accomplish vision and then they're like, I did everything I wanted to do. Time to chill for the rest of my life. As long as you, but what about this? What if you do everything that you desired and you visualized and realized your vision, and God's vision for your life is left on the shelf. Right. That does not give us an excuse to stop dreaming. It, it, it doesn't. We have to have 
vision. To live without vision is to retire from your life. Two things about vision and its importance. Number one, this is the important one. Vision restrains you. Vision restrains you. This is the, uh, one of the most important things about vision. Vision restrains you. When you don't have vision, you're not restrained. That's right. The Bible talks about it. Proverbs 20 19. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Why does a kid that grows up, I'll never forget this video, where a man was in a courtroom and he was getting his sentencing and he didn't even realize that the judge was a girl that went to elementary school with him. And he said, she said, hey, do you know who I am? He said, I have no idea. And he said his na his na or her name and he started weeping. And she said, what happened to you? You were such an amazing student. You lost vision. You became unrestrained. You know, when we fall, it's because we lost vision. Because vision restrains us. We were designed by God to live under restraint. If you don't, I'm going to talk about it in about four weeks. If you don't believe that, look at the garden. God said you can have everything but one thing. Because restraint is good for your soul. It is good for you to live in discipline. It is good for you to be restrained. Because without vision, people are unrestrained. Another translation says, when there is no vision, people wander. Why did Jesus stay on the cross and complete it? Because he had vision. Why did Nehemiah stay up on the wall when Sanballat said, you need to get down? Because he had vision. Why did Paul say, I press on towards the high calling in Christ Jesus? Because he had vision. If you do not say no to anything, you will never see your vision materialize. Saying no to something is saying yes to your vision. You have to say no. You can't live a yes life where you're scattered and spread out. Vision never gets materialized that way. And the second one is this. Your vision needs a filter. Your vision needs a filter. Just because you have a vision doesn't mean it's the right one. Let me tell you something. There is so much you could, if you, if you collected all of the high school books where people wrote notes to each other, you would probably see this quote over and over and over again. Live up to your potential. That is the biggest bull crap because you're not supposed to live up to your potential. When you live up to your potential, you do anything and everything. You need to live up to your purpose. And you were not created by yourself. So there's no living up to your potential. That is a humanistic ideology. You need to live up to the purpose of the creator that created you. Just because you can do anything doesn't mean that it's healthy for you. Your potential can actually be a distraction to the purpose that God has for your life. And I know that because I can get these ambitions that are not submitted and not filtered, and they could be a distraction for me doing this. Right. 
Just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Potential can actually be a distraction to your purpose. You need a filter. A filter, this is what a filter does. It removes any contaminants from remaining. We need a filter on our vision so that our vision does not end up being destructive to our legacy and our destiny. And who's the, who's the filter? Jesus. See, we need a filter. God's vision for your life is better than your vision for your life because his vision is more fulfilling than anything that you will do on your own. See, it's not about whether or not it will be fun and enjoyable and to do all these things. It's not the case. I'm talking about fulfillment. God's vision for your life is more fulfilling than any vision that you would have for yourself. You can do a lot of things. I'm not saying it's more successful. God's vision for your life may not be as financially successful as your vision for your life. It may not yield a bigger, better house in American Christianity and prosperity messages. Okay? It may not. But what I'm saying is that God's vision is more fulfilling. Why do I say that? Because Jesus talked about it in Mark chapter 8, 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? What is that talking about? That is, that is talking about fulfilling every ambition in your selfish, sinful nature and yet coming up empty. Because you exchange your soul for it. That is, that is, that is encapsulating the life of someone who just goes after their potential and their own vision without having God be the filter. We have to have God be the filter. That means you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. See, here's my question. Is your personal vision compatible with God's plans for your life or is in conflict with it? Can I tell you something? I want to encourage you to do this. I want you, I want to encourage you to submit your vision before Jesus. And can I tell you from personal experience, sometimes Jesus will respond and he will say, I really don't care what you do with that because it's not getting in the way of his vision. I'm not saying everything in your life God has is going to hijack and take over and say, no, you're not allowed to do that. He's not a cosmic killjoy. But what I'm saying is, are you submitting even the small things to Jesus to consider he might have a different opinion about what you want to do than you want to do. I would encourage you to live out your vision as long as it does not conflict with his. Both can be accomplished. You just have to be willing to submit it to the filter. Is your vision just personal ambition or is it God's plan, purpose, and destiny for your life? This is what, we, please, look, I'm begging you, have vision for your life. Have vision for your life. Don't just ha take another 365-day trip around the sun, just wandering around, yielded and submitted to your whims, your desires, your passions, without getting a vision that will focus you, restrain you, and filter it, submit it to God, and ask him, what in this? Can I tell you something? Some of the visions that you have received from God, you need to ask God if he still has that for you. Is this still what he wants you to do? Because 
there are moments where we could be, we could be going the opposite direction because he's shifting and he's redirecting you. My God, if you would have never said yes to Africa, that was a pivot. That was a redirection. I've got more for you here. We have to be willing to say, God, is this still? What do you have for me? I want to close this morning, and I, I'm going to do this in 10 minutes. I want to talk about some of the vision for Redeemer's Church. And I, I, I want you to hear this, but beyond just hearing it, every vision needs vessels. God can have a vision for you, but if you're so full in your vessel that you don't have room for it, it will become an aborted vision. The easiest, you've heard this said before, the easiest thing about prophetic ministry is receiving it. It's the funnest thing. God, I can't wait to sit in this chair and hear what you have to say about my future. But then you actually have to Align yourself, position yourself, seek out God for the windows that he's opening to step in to different vision things to see them become fulfilled. So there are three pieces to uh, the vision that Pastor Dwight and I have sought God for, prayed for, planned for, for 2022. And like I said, vision takes time. It may not, all I know is that I'm supposed to cast it today. Okay, I don't know how long it's going to take, but this is what I know God has put on our hearts. The first part of the vision is that, let me just say this, there are things we are not intending to replace everything. It's not an upheaval of all the ministries in our church. It's not this demolition of everything, a deconstruction and a rebuilding. It's not that at all. There are some things that we will have to say no to because they're taking our time. They're taking our resources. But you, once again, you can't do everything if you're going to see vision happen. And so we are, all I know is this. I'm casting vision. I'm going to talk about what we're going to do for, as Redeemer's Church. We need vessels to receive it and say, I'm, a, I'm about that. I'm a part of that. And then on top of that, we just need to step out in faith because this is not Pastor Dwight's vision and my vision. These are actually, actually God's visions. That's what the church is about, right? We're not gathering together to just do everything that we want to do. So the first thing is this. We have a theme for this year. Every single week in one way, shape, or another, you will hear about this theme. This is the direction that we are focusing our messages. This is what we're going after. And the theme is one word, and the word is wholeness. Wholeness. By definition, wholeness is the process of becoming complete. The process of, of, of becoming unbroken and undamaged. Matter of fact, I think it's interesting that the word integrity is the state of being whole. Wholeness. Throughout this year, we've already planned out all of the series for the entire year, y'all. And we are focusing week in and week out on seeing not, all, not only our members, 
but other people come into this environment and experience the wholeness that God came to provide. Look at John 10.10. Where does this this word come from? John 10.10. Jesus said he, he came that we may have life and have it abundantly. The Amplified Version says this, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Listen, fractured, broken, hurting people who have holes in their life will leak. Jesus came to bring wholeness, to bring healing, to bring redemption and restoration in every facet and attribute of your life. And so this year is about seeing wholeness come. So we're going to talk about whole finances. (laughs) You ever have a hole in your pocket? (laughs) Time to stitch that sucker up. We're going to talk about being whole in your finances. In about four weeks, we're going to start a series called Whole Soul. Whole Soul. You know when people say, how are you doing? It's so generic. But then have you ever had someone that says, follows it up with, no, how are you really doing? The question is, how are you on a soul level? Not just how are you doing, how are you on the inside part of you really doing. We're gonna talk about what a soul needs, what God intended, the environment God intended a soul to thrive in and be most healthy in. We're gonna talk about whole relationships. Some of the relationships in our lives need to be mended, they need to be strengthened, they need to be restored, they need to be healed. We're going to talk about the whole mission of the kingdom. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, that there is a void in your life without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to dedicate, and there's going to be topic after topic after topic, so wholeness is the first part of this year's uh, vision. The TPT translation says, the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I've come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So what is wholeness? Wholeness is that fullness that Jesus is talking about. The second is this. We are increasing our reach to the surrounding community. Once again, as I said before we started, this will be a year that we will intentionally create opportunities and intentionally pursue things that this neighborhood will no longer be able to say, I didn't know that was a church. It will be a year. We we are already planning things. And can I tell you something? There are so many opportunities of things that can be done in this community by this church. We don't have enough people to do it. Seriously. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough people. But we are going to take steps towards it. Because this, listen, we are a city on a hill. That cannot be hidden. So the community needs to know the light that's here. They need to know, and they need to feel our presence. Why do you think we started Scottwood uh, December with giving all these gift cards to the teachers? Because we want, to know, we want you to know that we're here. Ever since uh, God has given us amazing favor in Scottwood Elementary School, I'm just telling you right now, uh, since this September, I've been working with them closely with the social worker. 
they have allowed us to pass out and advertise every outreach to the community to every single student. They have 550 students in their school. And every single, every single outreach that we have, I go over there, or, or Leslie goes over there, or Beth goes over there on a Friday, we give them the flyers, they put them in the Friday folders and send them home to the entire community at the school. And that's not just the, the, the first thing. The second thing is my mom and I go over there every single month and we do reading programs with the students. It's just another in route. It's just another in route. We did the Christmas gift giveaway to all of the staff because we want them to know that they're a blessing. And we've received cards from staff members like, I can't believe. My mom, came, my mom went in to do the reading program in December and she, someone walked up to my mom and said, are you that church? She said, I can't believe you did that. We don't ever get anything like that. That's just amazing that you did that. Thank you. And she said this. She said, anytime you want to be in my classroom, please come. I'm telling you, in a public school, in October, Pastor Dwight emailed me a grant from Lindsay Acura. Lindsay Acura, I don't, I don't know if you ever buy a car there. I've never bought a car there. I just know it's outside of my budget. Can I get an amen? But they have Christian beliefs. And they have a mission for 43227 to reach and be a blessing to that zip code. Well, where's our church? 43227. So you can actually apply for grants through Lindsay Honda and develop some sort of thing that you're going to bless the community with. So I filled out the application. They gave us $1,000. So this, this month, I'm going to work with Walmart and some other places. And let's just say this. If you want to match it and start to buy some coat, basically, here's the mission. It's going to be called Warm for the Winter. We already know this is a low-income environment. Can I tell you, it was a cold day in November when I was out there. And I asked, here's the thing, let me just say this. I want us to be a tangible blessing, not to just pat ourselves on the back and say we did something. So when, we went, when I went into Scottwood Elementary, I had a meeting with the principal and I said, I don't wanna just do anything. I wanna do something that's actually a blessing to you. What do you need? She said, do you look out on the, on the she said, look out at uh, recess. All of those kids, very few of them, are even going around, running around with jackets, scarves, and hats, and clothes. She said, they're freezing, and we have nothing to give them. Kids will just, you know how some parents are, they just send their kids, like, you ain't staying here. And she said, there are programs that provide all that stuff, but we have to go look for it. And I said, you won't have to. We'll bring it to you. So we filled out a grant, we got $1,000, so I'm gonna work with Walmart and some other places that I can get discounted jackets, gloves, coats, and scarves. We're gonna put a your invited card in every single one of those joints, and they will have them stocked for any kid that needs a jacket that comes to those doors this winter and doesn't have one. Yeah. And that's Redeemer's Church doing that. Right. Because if you've ever done grant writing, some people get halfway through the application and are like, I'm good. Yeah. Not us. We are going to make our presence felt. We're planning on, in the future, we're planning, we're planning on the future providing uh, meals for the, for the staff, for their parent-teacher conferences. Because if you've ever been a teacher, <laughs> you ain't got time to run out the door and get some food. 
I, I want to do teacher appreciation week. Hey, how about this? What if we did an entire field day at Scottwood Elementary that was sponsored by Redeemer's Church? Yeah. Where we, 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 it, we brought all the stuff. I have a friend that, will do, that has all of the stuff to do a block party. What if, we, what if we got the approval by the city to shut down a block in the neighborhood and rolled out hamburgers, hot dogs, cotton candy, blow-ups, fun, and games, and said, this is a party for the community, sponsored by Redeemer's Church. You will know we're here. And that's not... I'm not even going to go into some of the other things that we've already had meetings about that are literally adopting, the, adopting this entire community. But that's the second thing. We will increase our reach to our surrounding community. And why is this important? Listen to me. We are reaching the nations without a doubt. But we're increasing our reach to Jerusalem. And here's why. Because the light that shines the furthest needs to shine at home. Yes. It has to. We're not going to neglect home for the nation. That's right. And I love when one of the greatest passages of scripture is from Mark 5, 19, when the demoniac got delivered and he said, I want to follow you. And he said, nope, go home. Because home is where you need to minister. So this is an endeavor of going home. And we can do both. Yes. <laughs> Listen, vision needs to make you uncomfortable. Or it's too easy. Right. So the third one, so we're increasing our reach to our surrounding community. The third is this. We are going to be intentional and strategically evangelistic. And we've been meeting for months, since probably September, with a team of people. It is time to grow. Okay, it's time to grow. We've been saying that for years. It's time to grow, though. It's always time to grow. I want to see lost people get baptized. I want to see people come to Jesus. When I'm closing my eyes in worship, I'm seeing a, a, a sanctuary that's full of people and saying, my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. We're on the precipice of something important. We have to move forward. There is no, I'll never forget, I heard Pastor Dwight preach a message where he was going uphill. You can't be an idol on, in uphill or you will decline. You will ride back. We have to move forward with getting out of our seats and giving up our seats to people that we've invited and lost people. Lost people are not going to come here without your invitation, without my invitation. I've already talked to the guy that designs our t-shirts. I say, you want to come to church? He said, yeah, I'll come to church. Cool. I'm following up. I'm going to come over to your house and get you. You're going to come to church with me. Okay? And here's the thing. Can I just say something? As the Dwight Schrute of the church, the senior associate pastor, when we've been talking about these things in our staff room, 
We said, we're not expecting this out of our people if we're not willing to do it. That is hypocritical. So we're inviting people. We're reaching out to people. So we're increasing our our, our, um, strategic evangelism. One of the ways that we're going to be doing that is we are going to have Sundays that we are calling Soul Sundays. These Soul Sundays are not Soul Sundays to the people we invite. They're Soul Sundays to you. What does that mean? That means that we are strategically placing Sunday mornings throughout the course of the year. The first one is in February, on February 27th. We are having a Soul Sunday. What is that Soul Sunday about? That Soul Sunday is a Sunday that is a targeted Sunday that we are asking you to strategically invite unsaved or unchurched people to. There are people that believe in Jesus but are not going anywhere. Let's go after them too because that is not the way that you are designed to live out your faith. You need to be in community. So if they're not in church, that is a time to invite them to church. If they don't believe in Jesus, invite them to come and hear about Jesus. That Sunday and those Sundays will be strategic times where all we're doing is talking about the gospel. We're not talking about topic stuff. We're talking about the message of Jesus Christ with the sole purpose of getting people saved. And if we don't invite anybody, you need to get saved again. We're not going to come up to the pulpit on a soul Sunday and switch it because nobody came. Because that is aborting a vision. So if you are already saved and you're like, I'm avoiding soul Sunday because I'm not inviting anybody, stream it online. You're going to hear the gospel. We will preach the message of Jesus. Because here's the thing. Vision is seen beyond your sight. I love what Stephen Furtick said, and I'm going way long, and I'm sorry. I just knew before time, I just knew it was going to be real long. By the way, this is not setting the trend for the year. We're going to try to narrow it down and everything, so (laughs) give me some grace. But listen, here's the deal. It's hard to talk about vision in 30 minutes, okay? Stephen Furtick said this. He said, this is what vision is. I love this quote. Whatever you think of Stephen Furtick, I don't even care. I love this quote. It reminded me. He said, I was at a gas station one time in a tuxedo. And a guy came up to him and said, why are you dressed like that? And he said, it's because of where I'm going, not where I am. So Soul Sundays, if nobody shows up but you, we're dressed like where we're going. We're preaching the message of Jesus to you again. (laughs) Now, how are we getting people there? Let me, let me talk to you about some of the strategic things. We are willing to purchase gift cards for everyone that brings a visitor for you to take them out to lunch after the service. Okay? So we are already preparing funds to get a Visa gift card for you to follow up with them and take them out on the church. That's the first part. The second part of, part of, uh, part of it is this. We are about to record some of your invited cards with a QR code that's going to be a video of Pastor Dwight and I, and it's going to be super cheesy. But we want the people that have never been here before to see some familiar faces before they come in the door besides you. Right. So the purpose of it is, hey, Pastor Dwight, Pastor Kid, 
here's, here's some people you're going to see. There's high chance that someone in our church invited you. We want to invite you to a special service on Sunday, February 27th, because we want you to come experience what we have to offer. That's the second part. That's coming in print in the next couple of weeks. The third part is this. We are going to be creating a survey because we want feedback. We want feedback. When you've been in an environment so long, you don't know the holes. You don't know the things that are missing. And the best, one of the best things ever is to get fresh faces into the room and ask them feedback. I did this in December. I invited people from Scottwood that came to the church and had conversations with them afterwards. Called them on the phone and I said, hey, give me some feedback. What was your experience like? What did you like and what did you not like? I'm open to that. I need to know what you don't like. I'm not trying to please everybody, but maybe it's a blind spot I don't know exists because I've been here forever. Okay? And so we're providing surveys, and what what we're asking you to do is actually go out with the people after church, pay for the lunch on the church, and go through the survey with them. And if they don't know Jesus, if they didn't respond to Jesus in the message, how about you offer them Jesus at lunch? They're your friends and your family members. I want the greatest connection that they have in the church to not be pastors, but be you. This is just one of the ways that we are being strategically evangelistic. There's a homeless guy on the corner of Hamilton. His name is Joshua, by the way. If I could, I, every time that I've drove up 70, he's not been there. But the next time, I'm inviting him to church. I said, hey, my name is Joshua. He was like, or I said, hey, my name is Caleb. You know, we actually, like, hung out together in the Bible. Not really have any idea about that. So I probably need to change my approach. <laughs> That's not the point. Strategically evangelistic. Intentional. I'm going to close here. Thank you, our kids. My apologies. Here's the last thing. Now, some people in the congregation may have stiff backs and say, why now? Why now? Because God said it. We're not just... We're not brainstorming action just so we feel like we're doing something. Everything that we're doing has been filtered by God to fulfill his vision for Redeemer's Church. Listen to what was spoken in 2018. God is going to bring lost people to this house. Will you stand with me? God is going to bring lost people to this house. How is he going to do that? Point to yourself. You and me. There are lost people who have been assigned to be in this house before the foundation of the world. God is, this is verbatim by the way, God is calling his church to get prepared for the lost. God isn't waiting for them, he's waiting for us. He is waiting for us to be able to steward them well from birth to development. There will be an evangelistic team that will be developed. 
God is going to give us an evangelistic strategy that's going to cause the gospel to go out. But now the days are coming where you are going to have to roll up your sleeves and execute the word of the Lord. Why are we doing it? Because it's time to roll up the sleeves. This church will grow and you will, be, you will visibly see it, see it. Listen to me. I'm not casting this vision because I feel comfortable with it. I'm uncomfortable. It sounds big. It sounds vast. It's overwhelming. But where do you take steps to fit in faith? In the middle of the vastness of something. And as Michelangelo said, listen, the greatest danger for most of us is not that we aim too high and miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. We need vessels to carry the vision. Will you just bow your heads, close your eyes? If you want to partner as Redeemer's Church with this vision, my question is this. Are you way too full to even carry this out? Is there, is there, are there things in your vessel, you as a vessel, that need to be removed so that you can be a part of this. God, thank you for vision. Thank you that Redeemer's Church doesn't have to conjure up vision. Because for decades you've spoken prophetically over this place. Thank you, God, for showing us in those prophetic moments what could be what should be, what must be, and help us to take steps of obedience and faith so that it will be. That this will be a place that will grow and we will visibly see it. God, I pray that we would be vessels that are willing to be stretched, willing to be uncomfortable to see vision come to pass in this place. I pray that we will not grow weary in well-doing in the meantime between the casting and seeing the manifestation of it. But God, I pray that we would stay inspired. We would stay motivated. We would stay encouraged. Help us to be encouraged and help us to have a conviction to be obedient, to walk out the vision of the destiny that you have spoken over this place. I pray that we would be tenacious, that we would be bold, that we would grab a hold of it like Jacob wrestled with you and say, I'm not going until you bless me. Father, that you would bless Redeemer's Church in 2022, and God, whatever may come in situations, circumstances, whatever may come in America, whatever may come in the globe, Father, help us to keep our hands to the plow and our boots on the ground and stay focused with the vision that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.